and there is, there is a contradistinction between the preaching and themselves. This man knows God. Pastor Sam knows God. And he wanted to be with us. He has planned, but within one month, the wife lost the dad. And he lost his mom. And I told him, I said, what are you going through now? I went through 12 years, 13 years ago. But there is something I want to tell you, and that is what I want to tell everybody here. When God is with you, you don't question him. You will not be able to explain everything that he does in your life, but just say, yes, Lord. Give me a few strings. And today we are privileged to hear from Pastor Senior Yama Ousu, who came with a wife. Put your hands together for the wife. Eunice. And Pastor Sam also came with the wife. Uh, Edith. Ready? Thanks, God. So we love you. I don't want to waste my time. Oh, thank you, Father. I want you to stand on your feet whilst we welcome the servant of God. Let's put our hands together for the servant of the Lord, Pastor Simeon Yamwa. Put your hands together for the servant of God. We praise God for what he's doing in this place. The Lord is good. And all the time. Can you lift up your hands and just give God praise with me? Lord, we want to thank you. We exalt your name. Lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. Let praise rise from within your hearts. Let it rise unto the Lord. Father, we exalt you. Lord, you are good. You are excellent in this place. Blessed be your name, our God, who never fails. You are good. You are mighty. You are strong. Powerful is your name. Father in heaven, we exalt you. We thank you because we know that even as we let praise ascend to you in heaven, Lord, you are bringing down answers into our spirits right now. Be exalted, be exalted, be exalted, be exalted. Holy Ghost, we magnify you. Spirit of the Lord, you are good, awesome, powerful, excellent is your name. Lord, when we look at the things that your hands does in our lives, they are so marvelous. Ten years, Lord, you have brought us this far. We give you praise. We give you praise for this 10th anniversary. Who thought that we could have come this far? But you know right from the beginning how this will end. Lord, we exalt your name. Thank you, Lord, who have kept us. Thank you, Lord, who have kept us well and good. We magnify you. In the name of Jesus, you are so good, Lord. We thank you in this place. We thank you in this place. Father, we salute your presence. We give you praise in this place. You alone deserve all praise and all honor. Nobody but you. Nobody but you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you will use me today in your own way. Speak to your people, O oh God. Move me out of the way and let your voice be heard. In the name of Jesus, we pray that your word will come with fire 
It will come with power. It will come with precision. It will come with deep understanding. And Lord, it will come to cause us to love you more. Stare us a passion in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Healing will take place in our midst. I give you praise that anybody that came with a leg pain, God touch and let your glory be seen right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, whatever seems like a stroke in anybody's body, we speak to that condition in the name of Jesus, that it will bow in Jesus' name. We declare that we are not living the same as we came. Because God, when we gather in your presence together, you do awesome and mighty works in our lives. Let it not be minus tonight, Lord. Let it be that, Lord, you came down and did something awesome in our midst today. In the name of Jesus, we declare that, God, you will bless your people with good health and vitality. In Jesus' mighty name, we speak to any diabetic condition. We declare that it will bow at the mention of the name of Jesus. Let the goodness of God begin to move and the power of God settle on our lives right now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The Lord is good. Please take your seat. We thank God for what he's doing. I want to thank God for the life of my very good friend and brother, Pastor Benjamin. Amen. I bless God for his life and I thank God for the day we met in secondary school, 1997. We were all fresh men in the school. When you mention 1997, it feels very far, right? For those that were born around the year 2000 and the 90s. I used to think that the 80s were very far <laughs> when people say 1980-something, 1970-something. It feels very far, but here we are. Now we are 40 years old and kicking on, and we mention age, and everybody says, oh, you're very old. <laughs> But it's a blessing. And I thank God we've been friends, you know, um, since then. We've never, um, you know, got separated. All right. Are we all okay? My mic is not good, right? Okay. Or maybe I'm not holding it properly. All right. Am, am I good with this? Okay. So I thank God for your life, Pastor Benjamin, and I thank God for the work that you're doing around here. In Ramsgate. I also praise God for your wife, Sister Mary. Uh, she's somewhere. All right, let's put our hands together for them. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you are. Thank God. Thank God for your life. And I bless God for your faithfulness, your commitment to the work of the Lord here in Ramsgate. We thank God. Ten years ago, I was around when we started, and I praise God for how far He has brought us as a church. I also want to thank God for our general overseer. Um, Coach Odum, thank you very much for coming tonight. We salute God. Uh, we salute the anointing of God over your life, and we praise God for everything that you have sown into our lives and this ministry. Amen. I want to thank God for all the ministers that have traveled from afar and near. God bless you, Reverend. God bless you, every pastor that is here, and every leader that is here. We want to acknowledge your presence and thank God for your life. I also want to thank God for all our musicians. The choir played beautifully today. Yes. The sound people, we, we haven't forgotten you. <laughs> Moses, God bless you. And everybody else that I don't know uh, by name, I just wanted to know that we appreciate God for your life. And thank God for you who have come also to hear and be a part of this occasion. It's a blessing. 
a blessing. Tonight, I believe God is going to speak to us in very specific ways. Uh, there are three scriptures that I want to bring to you. Uh, we could go on and spend a lot of time on each scripture, but I will bring out one thought from each scripture that will wrap around our theme. Right? I know we have a theme for the year, a year of harvest. How many of you believe in harvest? How many of you believe in sowing? Yeah, we are a good church. Amen. If you don't believe in sowing, but you believe in harvest, you have a problem and we have to deliver you. <laughs> but I thank God that we believe in both. I also came with my wife, Sister Eunice. Put your hands together for my wife. Thank God for her life and our children. They are in Sunday school. We praise God for them all. So God is going to do something amazing in this place, and I'm, I, I just can't wait. God is going to bless me and bless you as well. I, I know that we are all going to really receive something that will bless uh, the name of the Lord. Tonight, I want to start with you from Lamentations chapter 3. Uh, I didn't give this scripture earlier, but it's something I want us to read. Lamentations chapter 3. And I've titled what I'm sharing tonight, It's Time to Hope Again. Look to somebody and say, it is time to hope again. Look to another person that you haven't spoken to and say, it is time to hope again. Praise God. It is time to hope again. Lamentations chapter 3. I'm going to employ some of you to help me read. So once I say it and you are there, you can rise and read for us. Lamentations chapter 3. Let's start reading from verse 17 to 24. I want to pick something, but listen very carefully to the reading. Um, Okay, it's on the screen, so I'm going to read. It says, You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, My strength and my hope, listen to it, My strength and my hope have perished from, from the Lord. Remember my affliction and and roaming. The woodworm, the girl. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Let me pause here a little bit. So here is somebody that is going through a lament. Lament means that they are pouring out very deep sorrow. This is Jeremiah speaking. And God is showing him this strategy and trouble that is about to come to Israel. He can see this thing and he's talking about it, but nobody can do anything about what is coming to them. And he's lamenting and pouring out his heart of pain and difficulty. And he's saying, these things are coming, it is afflicting me, it is trouble for my heart. And he's pouring out and saying all of these things right from chapter, I mean chapter 3 verse 1 all the way down to this point. He's lamenting and speaking and talking about all this evil that is coming to him. But he says something in the verse 21. Is that where we are? The one we just got to. It says, this I recall to mind. I think it's verse 19. Stay with me. Uh, 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 21. He says, this I recall to mind. He says, there's something that comes to my mind. When I, when, when I remember this thing about the Lord, my hope gets revived within me again. I feel hopeful again. I don't feel like I'm going through hell anymore. When I remember something, 
something comes to my mind that makes me jump out of this lament into rejoicing. Is somebody following me? This is a man that is crying from verse 1 to about 19. Hell is breaking loose on me. I'm feeling this pain. Trouble is coming to me. He says, my soul sinks within me when I remember some of the troubles that I'm going through. But when this idea comes to mind, my heart jumps with hope again. What is it? He says it to you. He says, when, goes to that, that verse, 22. Where are we? Okay. Though the Lord's mercies are not consumed, because his compassion fails not. Amen? Other versions will say, the mercies of God, they are new every morning. It says, when I remember that God is a merciful God, when I remember that God's goodness can never fail, it fills my heart with hope. Because sometimes when you are going through very difficult times, it feels like everything is finished, you are finished, and there is no more hope for you. But this Lamenter is saying that I go through all of this lament, but when I remember that there is something called the goodness of God, there is something called the mercy of God, when I remember that mercy, it fills my heart with hope again. I dare to hope again because of the mercy and the goodness of God. They are new every morning. He says, great is his faithfulness. Do you know that song? The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faith. So the lamenter tells us that you can go through suffering and pain, but as a child of God, you must always learn to remember that you have a God who is very, very merciful and very, very good, and he will not let trouble consume you forever. You will come out in the name of Jesus. Come on, am I speaking to somebody? You will come out in the name of Jesus. Follow me for a few more minutes because we are getting somewhere. Hope again. It is time to hope again. I came to call somebody out of hopelessness today. I came to call somebody out of depression today. I came to call somebody out of oppression today. That you can come out again and have hope and not lose it in Jesus' name. Hope again. What is hope? If we want to think about it, what is hope? How does the dictionary put it? Hope is a feeling of expectation, a desire for a particular thing to happen. Hope is a feeling, it's part of your emotion that makes you feel that something good is about to happen. That is what hope is all about. When it talk about being hopeful, it is a feeling or an inspired optimism about a future event that will be great, that will be awesome and powerful. The way I think of it is this, that it is the confidence that we have that our future 
will be better than our past and our present. Hope, for me, is when I have confidence that my future, where I'm getting to, will be better than what I've been through, where I am now, and whatever I tend to be experiencing right now. I am trusting God that wherever he's taking me will be a better place than where I am today. Amen? Global Crossfire Church. I am trusting God that we will believe that our past will not be the same as our present because it is going to be better in the future. Amen? God is going to move us from a better place to another better place in Jesus' name. That is our confidence and that is how I describe hope. That we have a future that is better than our past, our present. In Jesus' name. Hope is something that we cultivate. It's a cultivated attitude. Hope is important to everybody in life. You cannot live your life without hope. It is a necessity for you to continue to thrive in this life. I want us as a church to think about three main areas of hope. Three main areas that we need to be hopeful about as a church. And this is to us as a church group. Today I came to talk, so I'm I'm taking my time so that we can pray. Amen? You know when I come, I do a lot of gymnastics and throw my legs everywhere. But today let's keep it a little bit calm so we can talk and pray. Is that all right? So, in three areas, I want you to think about how you need to be hopeful or be hopeful. I mean, have a lot of hope in these areas. Number one, have hope in God and his promises. Trust that whatever God has said, he will do it. Have hope in what God is doing in your life. Have hope in what God is doing in this church. Let your hope be anchored on God's promises. Have a lot of hope in there. Don't lose hope because you don't hear or because you feel as though God is not dealing with you the way you expect him to deal with. God has his own timing. And he will come through in that time. What you must do is never to lose hope in this your God and the promises that he has for you. Praise God. He has a promise. So hold on to that hope in God. Number two, hold on to the hope that God has given us a servant. Somebody that he has set as the set man, the leader for this church. We need to have a lot of hope in what God is using his life to do. Amen? Because if you do not believe in what God is using our pastor to do here, nobody else will believe in him. So we come to church and then we treat the man of God as though, you know, he doesn't matter in our lives. Our attitude towards him is very, very important. If we can demonstrate hope in what God is doing in his life, there are some things that will come your way miraculously. It will blow your mind. Praise God. Today, I want to call you to begin to look at how much hope you have and begin to top it up. Amen. If you have no hope at all, I came to call you into hope in Jesus' name. Hope again. Hope again in your God. Hope again in his servants and the people that he has set before you to lead you. Hope in them. Trust God that wherever they are leading you is going to be better, is going to be good, and is going to be great. In the name of Jesus. Have that hope. And I'll talk to you about how hope works in another context of the scripture 
very soon. But follow me for a few minutes. I just want to lay some foundations about hope. Have hope in what God is doing. Have hope in the servant of the Lord. Have hope in the vision that God has given this church. One of the things that makes you connect to a church is not because of personality. Anytime you come to church, we all come to church through different means. I know a friend who came to church because he was working in a Tesco as a security guy. And then one of our church ladies shopped in that Tesco. So anytime the lady goes to the shop, the security guard will walk around. He goes on patrol by force because the lady is in town. <laughs> he will go patrolling and, and making sure that the lady is getting whatever she needs in the store. He, he likes to serve this lady very much. So one day, the lady started talking to her, him and said, why don't you come to church? Invited him to church. The day he came to church, that day, the Holy Ghost arrested him. <laughs> Today, he's a pastor in Durban. <laughs> From security guard in Tesco to a pastor in Durban. That is what God can do. God has ways of bringing you in. But once you come into the fold, you must begin to disconnect from everything and focus, number one, on God. And number two, on the vision that he is carrying out in that place. What is God doing in this place? What is God leading this church to do? What are we trying to see as a result of our activities in this community? Everything we do as a church must result in something that God wants to do for the people in this community and for your lives. So the vision is what connects you to where you want to stay as a church. Amen? Amen. Not personality because personalities will come and go. What if I come to church because coach was, was the pastor of the church and then coach was sent by God to go to, let's say, somewhere else to go and pastor. And then he's no more here. Does it mean that I lose my place in the church because coach is not around? No. Because God connects you through him, but you want to stay because of what he, God, is doing. Not because of a personality or because of certain people. Are you catching what I'm saying? Very important. So, hope in the vision that God has set for this place. Wherever you are, hope in the vision that God has given We've been looking at Matthew chapter 13, correct? Verse 30. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. Matthew chapter 13, verse 30 is a piece of scripture that is part of a long series of teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He's talking about so many things that has to do with the kingdom, how the kingdom works and how we can relate with God in his kingdom. So, in the parables that you read in Matthew chapter 13, he will always make phrases like this. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is likened. The kingdom of God is like this. He's telling you that there is something about the kingdom of God that you must know. And this parable teaches something about God's kingdom that has to do with hope. Somebody say hope. Somebody say hope. What are we talking about? Let us read a little bit from the top. Let's say from verse 17. Matthew chapter 13 from verse 17. Let's see a little bit of context here. Are we okay? Okay. I can narrate it. So let me just read. Alright, we are there. Assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it. 
and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Okay? So he's teaching. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Okay? When um, anyone hears the word of the kingdom and the word of the kingdom, so all of it is about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, and he keeps teaching and teaching and teaching, and he came to this point where he began to talk about um, wheat and tares, right? A particular crop that has been sown, and then another man came and sowed wheat, a bad crop, around this particular good crop. I want us to read that. Okay, 24. Let's go to 24 real quickly. I just wanted to see a context, and I'll draw one, one lesson here. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed. Somebody say good seed. In his field. Okay? But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Enemy. Enemy did this one. Okay? But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the bad seed began to grow with a good seed. Listen to what happened. So the servant of the men of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tears? What happened? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Somebody say, until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares, the bad ones, and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. Praise God. Do you understand what is going on? This was a good seed that was sown by a certain man. Enemy came and sowed another bad seed. They both grow together. The servants were concerned. Who would not be concerned? If you have a good seed and a bad one is growing around it, you'd be concerned. You want to clear the bad seed so that the good one will have the freedom to grow and flourish and, 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 and be good. The master said, don't touch it. Leave it alone. Let them grow together. And I keep wondering, why is the master not allowing these guys to clear the bad ones away? Free the good seed, let it grow. The master said, no, let them be. Number one, because there was an appointed time to deal with the bad seed. Is somebody hearing me? The, the master said, there is coming a time, this bad seed, you will not see it all around forever. There is coming a time where I'm going to deal with this bad seed and I will help them burn away. Amen? I came to tell somebody today, it doesn't matter what is growing around you. (laughs) One of these days, God is going to separate your troubles from you. And you are going to have your freedom in the name of Jesus. The other reason is this. The master has a lot of confidence in the seed that was sown. So he wasn't worried whether there was a tear around it or not. He knew that the seed had the capacity to grow with all kinds of things around it. And nothing would stop it from growing. That's the only reason why he would let them grow together. If he was not confident about the seed he sowed in the first place, he would have said, brothers, go clear it because as for this seed, it is too weak to handle these tears. 
Do you know people in your life like that? Who are having so much headache and trouble. But they are Christians. They are in church. And you wonder how they are able to survive. And go through all that they go through. Is God not aiding them? God is saying, you watch. This is my daughter. This is my son. I know what I have put in him. I know what I have put in her. Nothing will break her. Bring a hurricane. She will stand. Bring the storms. He will stand. Nothing will destroy this seed. It will stand. The man had a lot of hope. Somebody say hope. Hope in the seed that was sown. So he said, let the tear grow. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter. Let them grow. Because there is an appointed time for that tear. Your struggles will come to an end. It is not going to be around you forever. That disease, it will come to an end. It will not going to be with you forever. God says to the man, leave them alone. Let them grow. Let us see who will survive in the end. Let us see who will survive. He says, I will harvest my good seed and they will come into my barn. I will hold them. I will enjoy it. They will be with me. But as for these bad tests, they will be burnt away. There's an appointed time for it. That is what is going on in the scriptures. So, one of the things we must learn about the kingdom of God is this, that in the kingdom of God, we cannot, we we are not um, uh, immune from problems. We are not immune from troubles. Jesus said in the world, in fact, you have many troubles, but then be what? Of good cheer. Because I overcame, you also do what? Come on, let's preach together. Because I overcame, you also do what? That is what is going on here. Because you overcame, you will also be an overcomer. If Jesus was not able to do it, then we will surely not be able to do it. But because he did it, we can also do what? Do it. To the glory of God. If he was able to collect 12 men, inject his passion and his spirit into their lives, so much so that after he's dead and gone, these 12 men laid down their lives and began to preach the gospel against all kinds of tribulations and persecution. And they turned their world around. If he was able to do that, we can do the same in Ramsgate. Let all men say it is not possible. We can look up to God who is the author and finisher of our faith and say it is possible to the glory of God. That is why you must believe in what God is doing in Pastor Ben's life. Believe in his leadership. Believe in the vision that God has given us. Believe in the general overseer. Amen? Amen. Believe in the God that have called this church together. Trust God. Have hope because we are getting somewhere. So that is one of the things we learned from here. It is a, a parable of hope. It's a parable that tells you that you must have hope again. It doesn't matter what is growing around you. Sometimes you come to church and you have problems. You come in to serve as pastors, as ministers. We all have challenges, big ones, heavy ones. But what we do, we keep pushing. We keep going. I remember one day I was in Ghana. My pastor had traveled and I was the guy that was supposed to preach that Sunday. I was scheduled to preach for the pastor, you know, that has gone out. But in the, in the night, I had this massive swollen leg, you know, like an arthritis. You know, arthritis is, it gets swollen in the knee. Very bad. I had so much pain. I started praying. I said, devil, you're a liar. Whether the devil likes it or not, I'm going to preach today. So I hired a taxi, went on a clutch, went to church, and I began to preach. By the time I finished, I went back to hospital. To the glory of God, that thing disappeared. I'm telling you. 
We all have trouble, but when you have hope that God is with you, when you have hope that his mercy never fails, great is his faithfulness, you will always have hope to keep pushing, to keep pressing. I went to the U.S. I went to the U.S. Thank you, brother. We'll sing that song in a minute. I was in the U.S. trying to plant a church with my wife and family. Different challenges here and there. No money. I had no sponsorship from anybody. God just said, go and plant. So I just took and went and planted. But do you know what God did? After, there will be times, you can ask me, there will be times where we have no money to do anything. Then somebody all of a sudden will call and say, I have wired some money into your account. God brought people that believed in what God was trying to do in that space. And to the glory of God, we brought a whole family of eight to the Lord. Today, that church is still standing and doing well to the glory of God. Amen? I came to London last year, November, and I said, God, what next? What shall we do? I started gathering people and talking to people and looking around and trying to... Then I began to realize that there were many people that were sitting at home. Some had been to church many years ago and I stopped. I didn't know that there were a lot of people in London like that. I thought there were many churches that were doing well. So why would there be souls that would not be going to church? But when I started looking around, I began to discover that, huh, the work is not yet finished. We have a lot of work. And today, God has brought up to 20 people together serving God with me in London. From January 12th to now. I'm just telling you that if you can trust God and hope again, you begin to see his glory. You begin to see his move in your life. You will never be found wanting when you can trust God and hope again in him. Let me get back to my scripture so that we can stay on course for a little bit. The scripture is good. Amen? It's a very wonderful scripture. So, Jesus talked about these things and it's a story of hope and I just want you to grab that understanding as we move forward in this thing. The devil is a liar. Hope is not only a confession that you make it is more to do with an action that you take. Hope is not only in saying it. Pastor, I'm hopeful. We're going to do this. Pastor, I'm with you. We're going to do this. Sister, it is well. I'm with you. Hope is not only what you say, but it is what you do. Have you heard the saying, action speaks louder than words? Have you heard it? It is the same when it comes to these things. That what you do speaks volumes than what you say. Sometimes, it is good to say and let people know what you are thinking. But it is very good for people to know what you can do about what you are saying. Is somebody catching me? So I'm here to encourage you that as we begin to think about hope, hope is not only in what we say, but it is also in what we do. And I'm going to show you from the scriptures very shortly from another context. And it is very clearly explained in the book of Ruth. And this is where I'm going to end and we'll pray. In the book of Ruth, chapter 1, I'm going to narrate it very quickly. Let me get uh, three ladies. Come, come with me very quickly. Yeah, three ladies. And I need three men. Three men. Any men? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, brother, come. So, the Bible says, if you go to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, Ruth, chapter 1, follow me very carefully. I want you to see what is happening in the scriptures. Follow me, and then we'll finish with this. About hope. The Bible opens like this. Read chapter 1 verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, there was famine 
in the land of Israel. A man called Elimelech. Everybody say Elimelech. We'll have this man as Elimelech. Elimelech, <laughs> Bible says that he was married with a woman called Naomi. Anybody? Come, sister Naomi. He was married to a woman called Naomi. And they had two sons. One was called Malon, and the other was called Kilan. Are you following the story? This is in Ruth chapter 1, going down. So, this family, the Bible says this man decided, I'm going to move my family from this land of hunger. I don't want them to die. So, he moved them to another place that he believed would have a lot of food. And so, they began to journey. Journey with me. And they were going fine, and they got to a place and stayed. The Bible says that place was called Moab. Everybody say Moab. And the Bible says this family settled in Moab. And life was good. Rejoice a little bit. Life was good. You see that? They were all rejoicing. There's food. Now they've left the land of hunger and famine. They don't want to die. Things are good in Moab, right? But the Bible says all of a sudden, Elimelech passed away. So his story ended in the book. Put your hands together for him. And it was left with Naomi and her two sons, Malon and Kilon. A few years later, these two boys married two Moabite women, very beautiful ones. One of them married a woman called Opa. Can we have you as Opa? And stand right there. Thank you. So, one of them married a woman called Opa, and another married a woman called Ruth. Correct? Can you come and stay with So, according to the context, I think in chapter 4, we know that Malon actually married um, Opa, so Kilon married Ruth. Is that okay? So this is how it was. Ten years later, the Bible says that these two boys also passed away. And they finished their life in the story. So it was left with Naomi, come closer, and her daughters-in-law. Two of them. Remember how life has changed for these ladies. Before, they used to have husbands. All of them, right? They had similar experiences, like all of us. How many of us has 367 days in this year? <laughs> All of us has 365 days in this year, right? We have 24 hours in this day. Every one of us is exposed to similar experiences. But the way we respond to these experiences in life will determine how it will end for us. Are you catching me? This year, everyone is exposed to 12 months in this month, in this year. The way you respond to this 12 months that is allocated to you, God has given it to you freely. The way you respond and deal with this 12 months will determine how the year will end for you. Is somebody catching me? These ladies had similar experiences. They were married, had husbands, and now they have become widows. You know that when you are single, your emotions and everything are very different from when you become married. A married person's emotions are very different from when you become a widow. Very different. It is not the same. That is why, in fact, the Bible will say that when you meet widows, it will tell you that care for them because widows are, you know, they have double trouble. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But the Bible says that Naomi is now left with these two. And then they came to a decision. Naomi heard that God has blessed Israel. Food is in their hometown. So she decided, I want to go back from Moab to my hometown so that I can go and eat. The minute she decided, the Bible says, these two girls said, we are going to come with you. So it became an agreement. It became a one decision. Correct? All of them decided, we're going to go together. So they turned, turned around and come back to uh, Bethlehem. And they journeyed. Bible says that as they were going, 
Naomi paused and said, girls, let me give you a reality check. <laughs> Look at me. I am an old widow. Double trouble. I am old and I'm also what? A widow. I don't have that. Those days in Israel, if you have husbands, they are your source of income, your source of livelihood. Everybody wanted to marry. Everybody wanted to have children and have sons because males are very important in a person's life in those cultures. So for her to lose her husband and also her sons is trouble upon trouble. For and plus she was old. So she couldn't work by herself anymore. So she told the girls, girls, I cannot go with you. Go and be with your people in Moab. They will care for you. They will be with you. Your life will be better. Even if you want to wait for me to have children, I'm too old to have a child so they can grow for you to marry. Life is not going to be good for you with me. So go back home. The Bible says the girls said, no, Naomi, we will go with you. And they held on to Naomi and started going. And they journeyed. And they kept going. Come back, come back to that time. And they kept going. But the Bible says just before they got to the fringes of Bethlehem, just before they will cross over, she paused again and said to them, girls, reality check. Where I'm going, I don't know what is going to happen to me. Please, I love you dearly. I don't want you to follow me to my troubles. Go back to your people. The Bible says they all said we'll go back. One of them, Opa, Opa said, Naomi, I hear you. I, I, I now see what you are trying to say. Have you met people who, when you begin to give them a reality check, then they begin to think again? Pastor, I didn't understand it before, but now I know. So, excuse me from this assignment. Have somebody told you that before? <laughs> excuse me from this assignment because I didn't know it entails these details. Upper said, and she kicks her mother-in-law goodbye. And the story finished. Yeah, thank you, she knows how to do the job. So her story finished in the, in, the, in the story. But the Bible says that there was one of the ladies, Ruth. She clung. Do you know how to clank? Clink. Huh. That's right. She clung to this old widow and said, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you die. Listen to her words carefully. Wherever you, do you know where Naomi is going to die? <laughs> do you know where I'm going to die? You want to make a pledge, a commitment towards where I'm, Maybe I'll, I'll be dead in the streets. You never know. So you don't want to make a commitment like that. But Naomi, Ruth didn't care about where this relationship is going to end. She said, I'm going to die where you die. Most importantly, your God shall be my God. This lady from Moab, the Moabites, they did not know God like the God of Israel. Somehow, Naomi has been able to impact them with the wisdom of Jehovah from Israel, so much so that when everybody is running away from Naomi, she said, I'm going to stick with you, not because of anything special about it, but I see a God. I see something about this God that I don't want to disconnect with. And I will go with you. Amen? That is what I call a hopeful person. This lady doesn't know what is going to happen in, in Bethlehem. When they got, in fact, Naomi is telling her, go back, go back. She's saying, no, 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 I will stay with you. In these three ladies, you find three approaches to life. This is a whole series I'm trying to break down to you. Three approaches. You have people who will be like a Naomi. They are so broken, so discouraged about life. She said, God has lifted a finger and has punched me. That's what she said in the scriptures. When you read Ruth chapter 1. She said, it feels like I came into this place full of people. 
my husband was there, my children was there. Now everybody is dead. And look at me, I'm left alone. But was that a true picture? No, there were people with her. You see, when you are going through struggles and trouble, your pain can overwhelm you so much that you begin to lose sight on the little things God begins to do in your life. The day that Ruth and Opa decided we'll follow her, that was the day God decided to do something new with Naomi. But she could not see it. Her life, when she went to town, she got to town all right. Everybody in town is saying, Naomi, praise God, you are back. Praise God, you are back. Her name, Naomi, means pleasant, right? Sweetness. Everybody is saying, sweet, you are back. Sweet lady, thank God, you came. Ten years at least has passed and we have not seen you. We love that we see you here. Thank God for your life. Naomi opened her mouth and said, people, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me sweet anymore. Look at me. I went full, but I came empty. My life is bitter. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Her pain is speaking louder than the goodness of God in her life. I pray that we'll be a church who rises up in so much hope that will not allow our pain to speak louder than what God is doing. Have some hope because God is doing something great in this place. You have not seen it yet, but it is coming. Come on, it is coming. Ruth is saying, I will commit to you no matter what. So, the first approach to life is what I call the discouragement approach. That was Naomi. She was so discouraged. And the book finished with her life discouraged. Read the book. You'll find that not a single time, not once, from chapter 1 to chapter 4, I searched in all the versions that I could find. Not once did Naomi pause to say, God, but I came empty, but at least I have Ruth with me. At least I had Opa with me. Not once did she find it necessary to praise God in her life. Even when a new child was born and was given to her, praise be to she didn't even praise God for the child. She couldn't. I'm not blaming her, but I'm saying to you that your pain can overwhelm you. And that was her life. But there was another life choice. That was in Opa. Opa is the life that says, I give up. You know, I don't want to know. I hear the pain. As for this trouble, this reality check is good for me. I've seen the trouble. I don't want to know. And so she decided to leave. The minute she left, her chapter finished and nobody heard of Opa again. But then there was the root. This is what I call the hopeful approach. Somebody say hopeful. Somebody say hopeful. Shout hope, hope, hope. I am calling somebody to hope tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that Ruth, her life was filled with hope. I mean, the Bible never talked about hope when, it, when you read the book of Ruth. But when you begin to think about what hope is like, how it behaves, you begin to see it in the life of Ruth. How can she make such, it was like a marriage vow. Your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. When you die, I'm going to, do you know where she's going to die? Hey, what if she dies somewhere you don't want to die? What if they bury her somewhere you don't want to be buried? Some people want to be buried in a rich place. Some people want to be buried in a poor place. What if that is not what you want, but Ruth doesn't care. Hope drives. Hope leads you to do some things that will break some edges and boundaries for you in the name of Jesus. So you can also have what I call a hopeful approach to life. And that is what I came to call you into tonight. That you live your life with hope, not with despair, not with giving up, but with what? Hope in the name of Jesus. Come on. The tares were growing with the wheat. And the master said, let them grow. Let's see who will be the champion in the end. Hope is going to win in Jesus' name. 
not discouragement. The servants were all discouraged. He planted a good seed. Why are there weeds growing around it? This is discouraging. This weed is going to kill the seed. It's going to limit it. It's going to hinder it. It's not going to make it grow the way it's supposed to grow. But the Lord is a good God. Amen? The devil is a liar. Thank you. Put your hands together for them. So, in life, I came to encourage you today that you can be hopeful again. You don't have to let go and let the enemy win. In fact, unless God tells you, as for this one, don't get involved. That is the only reason why you get out of certain things. But if you have not heard that voice that tells you, don't get involved. Brother, sister, get ready and keep pushing in Jesus' name. Is somebody hearing my voice tonight? Is somebody hearing the voice of the Lord tonight? God is going to bless. I, I, I couldn't go through all my notes because I'm trying to pick from everywhere too. I feel like I just need to talk to you tonight and stir you up to hope again. Look to somebody and say, hope again. I don't know what you are going through, but hope again. Tell them. I don't know what you are going through. Everybody's going through something. I don't know what you are going through, but hope again. Come on. I see God separating you from your troubles. Like the weeds are separated from the tears. Your time is coming in the name of Jesus. That sickness will be dealt with in the name of Jesus. You will not die, but you will live to declare the goodness of the Lord. The Lord is your portion in the land of the living. It is well. Come on, it is well. Somebody shout hopeful. Say, I will be hopeful. No matter what. God is going to be my guide. And I'm going to win. In the name of Jesus. The mercy of God will follow me. The goodness of God will follow me. And I'm going to win. And I'm going to win. Somebody shout hopeful. Shout hopeful. In the name of Jesus. So I have a question for you. What kind of approach are you going to have to your life? Thank you. I have a question for you one more time. What kind of approach are you going to have to life? Rise to your feet with me. Rise to your feet tonight. Thank you, Jesus. I have three main prayers I want to pray for. to close your eyes with me for a few minutes and begin to thank the Lord for hope. Begin to thank him for hope. Begin to thank him for hope. Begin to thank him for hope. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Father, we give a glory. We give a praise today. We honor you, God. Thank God for a new hope. 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 Thank God for a new hope.
We thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the hope that you've given to us, oh God. We are highly privileged, oh God. We are highly honored, oh God. Thank you, oh God, for how far you have brought us, oh God. Come close, come close, come close, come close. Lift We declare a new dawn, a new dawn of victory, a new dawn of victories, Thank a you, new Jesus. dawn of victories. Thank you, Jesus. Every step you take Thank you, Jesus. will lead you to the next victory. In the name and the next Jesus. victory, and the next victory, and the next victory. You will not come back to failure. When you have 10 victories, you have 20 more. Your failures are going to minimize, your victories are going to maximize. In the name of Jesus. Receive it, my brother. In the name of Jesus. Receive it, my brother. In the name of Jesus. A new grace. Sister, receive it. We wait on the a new hope in you. You cannot lose hope in the life of these children. God is about to turn their lives around. And your hope will come alive again. Come with me. Let's pray together. If you fall in any of these categories, come. Come together. In any way, shape, or form, you feel deflated. Your hope has been dashed. Somebody promised you. And because they were so good and their promise was so heavy. God said, I should tell you that your time is getting closer. God said this preaching was for you. There were some tears that were around some good things you planted. But as the servant of the Lord said, it was designated for a prescribed time. There are certain medications, if you take them wrongly with the wrong time, it spoils the the joy of it. But God said he's allowed some things in your life, but the time for dealing with them has come in your household. In the name of Jesus. Just saying.
Say, my life has encountered grace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. What is going to happen? I mean, whenever God sends a word, definitely he follows everywhere he sends. Praise the Lord. So we thank God for God's servant and the great word that was brought. I believe that we have to hope again. It is very important. And God bless you for coming. And I bring greetings from Harlow. My pastor sends his greetings as well, Pastor Joe. And then the Harlow Church, we are saying we are rejoicing with you for how far God has brought you. It has been 10 good, faithful years. I believe this church is going places. Hallelujah. This church is going places. I believe it is one of the reasons why my brother came into this land. So definitely, it is going places. And when God starts things, sometimes you will be wondering what is happening. But by the time you see, mighty things are happening. Hallelujah. So please be encouraged. Support the man of God like pastor said. I mean, the Bible says that believe in God and you will prosper. Believe also in his prophet. So you need to believe in the prophet of God. It is not the prophet you like that blesses you. It's the one you believe in. You believe in him and his ministry will bless you. Because today, a lot of church members have become too familiar with their pastors. Because the pastor will carry chair. The pastor would be uh, 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 singing worship. The pastor would, so when they see the pastors, they think they are their friends. When you do that, his life will not bless you. Praise the Lord. We have become too familiar with our men of God. Too familiar. We see them every day. We play with them. When we, when we need lift, they do it. So we take them on a face value. Praise the Lord. And I pray that nobody because you see i'm very close to the man of god i i serve under but i don't take him for granted i'm very close to my brother but i don't take him for granted i don't take his ministry for granted and when you do that you get blessed praise the lord so god bless you and i i pray that you continue to support him and as you do that may god increase you from grace to grace. Amen. Amen. Shall we share the grace?